Welcome to Health Rants. Join us and learn how not to let healthcare rip you off or kill you. Together, we will explore the secrets of healthcare and give you insight on how to make a better and informed decision about your health and your healthcare. I'm Dr. Bob Braille. I'm a chiropractor for over 40 years, and I've seen it and heard it all. So welcome to our podcast, Health Rants. Hi, and welcome to Health Rants. This is Dr. Bob Braille. I'm your host, and uh, today we're going to be speaking again about the most dominant health subject in the news today, and that's, of course, the COVID-19 pandemic outbreak, whatever you will. And, you know, I always try to look for other stories and things, but this story has stuck. It's dominated the news. There's just no getting away from it. If you, you pull up a Google News search and you put in health, almost every story is on uh, COVID-19. And it's, it's transcended beyond just a health story. It's also a political story. Obviously, as of this recording, uh, our president, uh, Trump, came down with uh, COVID-19, tested positive, as did a large swath of the administration, the upper administration. So uh, that was an outbreak right in the White House and uh, the people associated with that. And, of course, there's not only the health issues, but there's a political noise and ramifications of which we're not going to spend a lot of time on other than the, uh, the mask aspect of it. And we'll, we'll go into that in a second here. But before we do, I thought I'd just update a little bit here on some of the things that are on the news concerning COVID because not everybody checks it in detail. And a lot of local news has a lot on it. Um, for As of the reading of today, as of recording this today and reading some of the news stories, uh, new coronavirus cases are up 50% in five states. It looks to me, if you look at what has happened over the last so many months, the initial outbreak was in New York City itself. Now, you have a high concentration of people. You know, they didn't know it was coming. Uh, it wasn't time to shut the thing down. So a lot of people got infected before they got there, and then boom, they had a huge outbreak with a high death toll. Uh, I remember seeing the hospitals full and the, and the temporary morgues, tr- refrigerated trucks with bodies. It was, it was a horrifying thing. Uh, then it spread beyond that. And of course, in, from a political standpoint, we had various governors saying it's not coming here, where we're okay, blah, blah, blah. And from there it spread. California got hit real big. Uh, Michigan got hit real big. And it seemed as if, okay, metropolitan areas, congested areas, and and not all of them. Um, But as time went on, if you run a map on where COVID seems to have evenly spread, uh, you know, we're a very traveling population. It's not like people don't travel. And not just by air. The airlines have basically shut down. There's hardly any, compared to what used to be flight numbers, uh, hardly any people flying right now. But people get in their car and drive so um, and go places. And, you know, even if you go one neighborhood and that neighborhood goes to the next neighborhood, you know, it eventually spreads. So then we had spreads through a lot of metropolitan areas. And Florida, which was one of the states, said they weren't going to get it. Got it. Big. Uh, we're here in Georgia. Georgia got it. Uh, Georgia shut down pretty early but opened up pretty early and then had a, a big boon again in cases. Texas got hit, of course. Uh, Now, those big states, although they still have a lot of cases, the death tolls are dropping consistently. But now the the kind of the far and away states, the 
Midwest, the upper Midwest, you know, your Dakotas, Montana, Idaho, the ones you would think are pretty isolated, they're now, uh, based upon the level of transmission within their population percentage-wise, are getting hit really big right now. And, uh, you know, so like they said, five state with a 50% increase, it's mainly those. Um, the other headline here, 31 states have growing rates of COVID-19 cases, and we'll know what's coming next, you know. A uh, study finds COVID-19 coronavirus can survive 28 days on some surfaces. And that's a little bit scary, but, you know, I'm not sure what surfaces here. I'm, I'm pulling up the article as we speak. But, uh, you know, I don't really work. It's a mainly an airborne transmitted situation. And keep in mind, it's not like if one germ survives, you have a very good chance. It has to be uh, the kind of a scenario that I'm going to turn that off because I don't want that. <laughs> I hate when you open up a news story. This is a little rant on the side. I hate when you open up a news story and it starts playing a video you didn't want to hear. So we're not going to listen to that one. But still, you know, there's a large number of increased cases. And what has become a big deal lately is the mask wearing thing. And that's something that's been going on where people are like politicizing the wearing of a mask for the longest time. Uh, and I thought this was almost absurd. The rate of mask wearing for Democrats was like twice as high as the rate of mask wearing for Republicans. And I'm thinking the virus doesn't really care. See, I'm an independent, so I don't know what the rate of independent mask wearing was. But still, you know, I, don't, I just don't understand why there would be a difference in the population. I can understand there being a difference based upon location. You know, if you're in a more concentrated area, obviously you might think that, yeah, you're exposed to more, a mask is probably a good thing, or at least, you you know, if you have that inclination, it's at least a, a safety issue. If you're living out in the middle of a, a farmland and you hardly come in contact with anybody, I would understand it to be less of a concern for you. But it doesn't seem to follow that. It seems to follow political lines even more, which is absurd. And in fact, I remember watching television and a number of the... Um, uh, presidential rallies, uh, people behind the president weren't wearing masks. And then we got to a certain point now, the people in, behind him are all wearing masks. I, I don't think the people in front are wearing that mask that much, but they're not on camera. But it shouldn't be a political issue. If you if you decide to wear a mask, I mean, if you want to go to a mall, Walmart, you have to wear a mask. At Home Depot, you have to wear a mask. Most big box stores now require requiring a mask. Grocery stores requiring you put on a mask. Um, I don't see mask wearing as a political entity whatsoever. Um, do I think it's, you know, this, oh, this panacea effectiveness? No, no I don't think so at all. Uh, is it minimally effective? Probably. I mean, I, I haven't done a ton of research on the science behind mask wearing. Uh, do I think it's harmful? No, not really. I mean, healthcare professionals and dentistry and everything else have been wearing masks for years and years and years, and, and I don't know of any particular outbreaks of disease because they're wearing a mask. And, you know, for those of us who had limited exposure to the medical profession, if you go in for a surgery, I'm pretty sure you want your surgeon wearing a mask, even before there was anything like the COVID. Uh, one of the interesting stories, as we're looking at interesting stories here related to COVID, was, and I didn't know this until recently, but the mink population minks, the things that they used to use to make, you know, fur coats, mink coats and things, uh, that has been hit tremendously. Uh, in fact, uh, one of the stories talks about that 50% uh, of the breeding population of minks 
has died due to COVID-19. Now, you know, normally you think of a virus, it doesn't transcend into animals. Well, yeah. <laughs> Evidently, the mink population is is a problem when it comes to COVID. Uh, it's, uh, according to one in the minks in Utah in the United States, 10,000 minks have died due to COVID. Um, now, granted, you know, okay, at least it's not people, but still, that, that also runs the possibility that they're transmitting. In fact, that was one of the ways they found out was that the mink population was dying off for some strange reason, and the workers were getting infected. So when they checked, sure enough, the minks were infected with COVID-19. Uh, the rare times when they are transmitted to an animal, an animal can get some of the same sickness. It's just not a common thing cross species, but that has happened. Um, there's a headline here about Denmark to cull 2.5 million minks due to coronavirus. So basically, you know, euphanize two and a half million minks. I, I feel sorry for the animal population there, but still, um, you know, that runs the concept of, okay, could other animals? Now, you know, you look at a picture of a mink, it looks an awful lot like a ferret. And I don't know if the ferret population, which is, you know, people have a lot of ferrets as pets, I don't know if that's affected or not. It may totally not be. So please don't run out and euthanize your, your ferret because, you know, the minks are uh, hit. I don't know if there's any similarity. I don't know the uh, genealogy of, of minks and, and, and ferrets, but still, it, it runs the concept of, okay, where else could this thing go? I mean, you know, if, if COVID hits dogs, what happens? Uh, cats, what happens? You know, squirrels, you know? Um, you know, animals that are common in the United States. Uh, what about birds, pet birds? Who knows? I mean, uh, so, you know, this this concept here is quite interesting. Um, something we didn't know about. Uh, obviously, if you've been following news all, you know that the UK, United Kingdom, is, is doing some more lockdowns and increasing restrictions because their case rate has risen. A number of U.S. areas, New York is tightening again because of a, a surge that they're, I guess a mini surge that they're experiencing right now. But, you know, we're coming into uh, fall here. The weather's starting to get cooler in a lot of the country. And uh, being in the south here, it's just starting to get a little bit cooler. But, you know, that's what the traditional supposed flu season is. Now, let's be clear a little bit about something here, because there's always been a debate, especially in my profession in chiropractic, about the idea of, uh, you know, the soil versus the seed. And, and here's my understanding and the take of it. If your immune system, basically, you know, uh, putting it with the soil of the body, if, if my immune system was at 100% capability, theoretically, I am immune from disease meaning that I cannot get any infectious disease because anything that attempts to come to my body would be prevented by an 100% immune system. Now, that being said, let's look at that for a second because there are the possibility of exceptions. And by the way, do I believe anybody's immune system is at 100%? No, so, so that rules out that 100% immunity anyway. But think about this for a second. We know from history that there were times when the Europeans came over, I'm, I'm thinking specifically of Cortez and, and the Incas uh, in Mexico, and he landed there and his uh, warriors, soldiers, you know, uh, cut a path and, and demoralized people 
to the, the capital over there and took gold and went back home to Spain. However, the thing that they left was disease. And in a short amount of time, uh, a high population of the native uh, population of Mexico, the indigenous population of Mexico, died off due to diseases they had no immunity what, uh, to whatsoever. Now, that is independent of how high their immune system was. It was functioning properly. It just had no exposure level to COVID, to uh, particular diseases that, the, uh, that uh, Cortez was bringing over. So, in the COVID-19 situation, we have a disease where, you know what, the human immune system probably isn't really overly ready for it. Uh, now, that doesn't mean that, you know, people get exposed to it and don't get it. People get exposed to it and do get it. So, that means there's some inherent immunity. And obviously, those with the highest level of inherent immunity survive. Even with the Native Americans that were ravaged by the disease brought over to the Europeans, they didn't all die. So that means some of them had an immune system capable of detecting and fighting this off. But obviously it was a much lower percentage because I think 90% of the Native Americans in those areas died off because of diseases they had no immunity, no exposure to whatsoever. In the COVID situation, it's a much smaller percentage and, and <laughs> I know if you go online, you see, oh, the chances are this. But the chances are still quite a lot higher than the regular flu, by the way. The numbers and statistics don't lie. COVID is a more deadly disease. There's no question about that. If you read any of the information that's out there, even though it's a very small percentage of people who get it, die from it, it's still much higher than people who get flu and die from that. And yes, people who are more, who are weaker, who have uh, immune issues or have comorbidities, other diseases, other health issues, are much more likely to succumb to the COVID-19. Now, that being said, can you take a totally healthy person with 100% immunity and can they get COVID? Hmm. I would consider that a, either a no or an unanswered question. Can they get it? I doubt it. Now, we, of course, hear people say that, you know, oh, uh, there are stories in the news every day of people who were totally healthy and got COVID-19 and then died from it. Okay. The concept of they were totally healthy is another question. Totally healthy by what standards? Did they have no other disease? They had no other comorbidities? Were they really healthy? In my questioning, was their nerve system functioning free of interference? You know, so there's a lot of other aspects of health. The real answer is you can't determine if you're totally healthy. If you're totally physically fit, does that mean you're totally healthy? No, it does not. I know lots of people who are physically fit and get sick all the time. I mean, they're specimens, physical specimens, and they're getting sick all the time. They're not totally healthy. I know people who don't look so good and rarely ever get sick. You know, Maybe their immune systems and their body systems are healthier but they're not totally healthy. You know, sometimes we equate health only to be physical fitness. That's not the case. It's a part of it, but it's not the case. It's also not only weight. It's also not only personal habits, a lot of things involved in it. So if you can't determine if you're totally healthy, how can you determine if your immune system then is ready to fight off COVID should you come in contact with it? Well, my answer is you really can't. I mean, if indeed you are in a situation where you know your body is not at 100%, well, wow, yeah, then you know you're probably more susceptible. But if you think you're totally healthy, 
you don't have control over all aspects. You know, I know people, especially in my field, who are, you know, who are what other might call health nuts, but they're, you know, they're just people who are conscientious about their health and their well-being and what they put into their body and how they treat their body. And I've known people in these areas who got sick with terrible diseases long before COVID. And it was like, you know, how did that person come down with this? And I know people who have who were totally natural and healthy lifestyles who died of terrible diseases. How is that possible? Well, you see, we don't have all the answers. You know, math is the only probably true science. Physics being close, but we don't have all the answers there either. But healthcare truly is an art. We are far from understanding. I mean, I think we've only scratched the surface of understanding how the human body functions. And no matter how much science we think we have in any given health field, we are far from understanding the full total ramifications of the, how the human body functions, how it fights diseases. We think we know, and we, we act on the best science available, but there are lots of times when that best science available a few years later is shown to be a huge mistake. And there may be some huge mistakes coming, especially with this dealing of COVID-19. I bring that up because we're in a situation where right now, especially from a political standpoint, there's a rush to produce a vaccine, there's a rush to produce medications, there's a rush. And, and the reason I keep using that word is because what that usually means is someone's cutting corners somewhere. You know, I don't think that any production of any type of uh, um, therapeutic or preventative, if that's the case, uh, should be rushed, should cut corners, should go around. The, first of all, it should, have been, it should have been being dealt with from the get-go. But there is an issue. I mean, if we look back, Historically, a little bit, and for those of us who are older, to remember, I was in school. In fact, I was in chiropractic school in my very first year of chiropractic school. So we're talking 1975, when the original swine flu became a big deal. And I can remember, you know, them coming out with a vaccine and trying to encourage people to get it and making a big deal out of it. And I, I think, I don't know who it was at the time, the president, who uh, might have been Gerald Ford at the time, um, actually got in line and took the shot. And, you know, a whole bunch of people were getting the shot to show it was a patriotic thing to go get a shot, which I have a question about, but still. I mean, that's what they believed in. Okay, a bunch of people. And then very shortly afterwards, there was this huge rise in Guillain-Barre syndrome, this rare neurological uh, affliction that was no longer rare because people who were getting the shot were winding up with all kinds of neurological symptoms, and that put a huge hole in people taking, you know, all of a sudden, no, nah, no, nah, I think I'm going to wait it out on this one. And sure enough, guess what? Swine flu went away. <laughs> Even without many people getting vaccinated, it went away, which is the normal occurrence of a virus or a flu when it hits. Is Over time, as I've mentioned in past podcasts, it, it mutates. The issue is how strong is it? How long does it take to mutate? And what's the carnage between the time it hits and the time it mutates to where you don't have to worry about it no more? COVID is proving to be more residual, I mean, more re, uh, stronger. It's been proving to be less uh, likely to mutate into something that's less harmful so far. I mean, I think the death rate of infection is lower by a fair amount than it was initially, but it's certainly not inconsequential and it's certainly still higher than the flu. So, you know, we're in a situation where it is mutating, but I, I seriously doubt it's mutating fast enough to not cause a terrible amount of carnage in our population. But that being said, 
you know, the rush to put out a vaccine or therapeutics for this thing. And granted, if you're in the grips of a terrible uh, disease and you could be succumb to this thing, yeah, I'm grasping for any therapeutics you got out there to try to help me in an emergency situation. But the idea of preventative on something that's been rushed is a little bit questionable. And I have my own belief systems when it comes to vaccination. That would be a different uh, subject topic itself and maybe a few podcasts on that. But from a standpoint of rushing any kind of a vaccine to market for a political agenda, wow, that is a little bit on my scary side. You know, I don't want something that was rushed out to have an effect other than the healthcare effect it intended to have. Uh, And that's, you know, uh, like I said, I'm coming from an independent standpoint. I'm I'm neither Democrat nor Republican, so you can't accuse me of being on either side of this other than I want to see people's lives saved. Uh, If they believe that's the way to go, great. Um, I I think, you know, certainly there can be some uh, improvement in the uh, processing. And by that, I mean the ability of making whatever is available available once it's been shown to be uh, affected by whatever that guideline is you think is effective. I have different guides than you do, but that's, that's my own personal call. But if people believe that something like that is effective, then it should be brought to market as quickly as safe to do so. Uh, if it's not safe, if you're cutting corners on the testing, if you're cutting corners on the results. And, and by the way, let's look beyond just the immediacy here because the tendency is sometimes is to look at, especially in a vaccine scenario, to look at is there immune response when you give it? Is it a proper antibody buildup if you give it? Uh, and that's, that's, oh, that's a nice thought process, but Okay, how do you know what the long-term neurological effects are? Remember, remember, the swine flu vaccine, when it first came out, passed all of the mustard, and then it created neurological problems, and some of them permanent and devastating in the Guillain-Barre syndrome. And they had to with call lots and do all kinds of things. You know, I don't want to find, I mean, certainly I don't believe in this, uh, you know, um, was it I Am Legend movie that everybody turned into a mutant when they were, you know, and, and by night came out and tried to kill each other and cannibalize each other, whatever that was. But uh, a Will Smith movie. But you know, I, I don't want to see huge swatches of our of our population coming down with chronic illness later in life, or maybe you know months, years, or decades later because of something we rush to do now. And and I I think that's a real issue to be discussed anyway because if you look at the chronic illness levels now. Uh, relative to uh, arthritic conditions, allergic conditions, immunity uh, conditions, and the increased amount of uh, vaccination done today compared to when I was a child, uh, there's a correlation there on numbers. Now, is it a cause and effect? It's another discussion, another total uh, podcast with a lot of experts sitting around. But for right now, I'd be a little bit concerned on the idea of rushing things you know, now there was a story, going back to the story parts here, uh, there's a story here that I thought was interesting um, about schools opening. I know uh, in my area, the schools have opened. Um, kids are going back to school, you know, and they're making them wear masks and they have social distancing signs going up. But I don't know how well they're tracking. And some of the news stories talk about they're not really tracking well the numbers. Um, I know in some of the colleges, we heard that, you know, the colleges opened up, the kids went back to college. And sure enough, there was a huge 
you know, Outbreak, another one of those little videos that opens up when you open up a website. Hate that. Another rant. <laughs> okay. But uh, there was a huge outbreak on some of the colleges, and they decided, don't go home. Stay locked down in your own dorm, because uh, why go home and infect the people you live with who are obviously older? If you're in college, your parents are older, and if your grandparents are alive, they are a lot older. So uh, there was an issue with that. But yeah, is there much tracking going on? Now, I also uh, saw an argument somewhere, and, and this, this irked me a little bit because I heard it repeated during one of the debates, where, okay, we have 7.5, oh, I don't have the current number in front of me, but it's somewhere between 7 and 8 million COVID-19 cases. And then I've seen it online a half a dozen times from people. Yeah, but we had... 65 million cases of the flu and uh you know how come we didn't close down schools in the economy back then okay i want to discuss that for a second because there is an apples to oranges issue here all right you know i, I i'm long enough i've lived long enough to live through all of these particular flu scares that came around and i don't remember getting in a car driving to a tent with people in hazmat suits sticking swabs up my nose i do remember doing it this time but I don't remember doing it in the past. So you say, well, there were 60 million cases of the flu, you know, and there were only 7.5 million cases of COVID. First of all, let's back up. There are 7.5 million confirmed tested cases of COVID-19. There are estimates that there may be four or five times as many total cases, maybe as much as 20 times total cases that have never been tested. We don't know this, okay? We don't know what the real number is on that. And there was no mass testing for the flu. So how did they come up with those numbers? That's, well, you know what? I looked it up. I went on the CDC's website, and those are extrapolations based on a small segment of the population, probably only tens of thousands, where they actually did testing, and then extrapolate onto the entire U.S. population. So then they come up with the, Chances are estimates that there were 60 million cases of the flu, uh, the death rate obviously being much lower than it is with COVID. Okay, now that makes a little more sense. Now, I haven't seen the number if you extrapolate against the entire population of confirmed cases of COVID versus the population, what the number would be. It might be considerably higher. I don't know that. But certainly, if you're comparing the flu on a numbers-by-numbers numbers case, you got to go with confirmed versus confirmed or estimates versus estimates. And I haven't seen real estimates. I mean, I've heard all these numbers anywhere from five times to 25 times as many cases of COVID, probably or positive people of COVID out there confirm, uh, as opposed to how many get symptomatic or whatever. Who knows? You know, maybe the death toll is a little bit lower because of the number of total exposures of COVID and people have actually gotten it who haven't uh, tested positive for it or because they didn't get a test. You know, we don't know that. Um, I do know in the populations that get regular tests, and, and the best one we can use, I guess, would be the White House, where supposedly those people were getting tested on a regular basis. And then all of a sudden, they were all testing negative, and then all of a sudden, a handful of them and the president test positive, and now... I don't know, there were 20-something, 30-something cases in the, in the White House on the West Wing or something like that, whatever it is. But still, obviously, then there's a, you know, it's not like an extrapolation because those people were being tested and were negative and are now tested and are positive. 
So, you know, COVID is a different animal. To try to compare it with the flu doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Now, a couple of things. Should you be totally scared of it? Should it ruin your life? No, no, no I, don't, I don't believe that at all. I mean, have we changed how we function, what we do? Yeah, we have. You know, I, I used to love to go to the movies. Uh, I had movie passes to go to the local theater here. And, and my wife and I would go a couple of times a week, usually. Um, sometimes we'd miss, but still, we haven't been to the movies since this thing became a public thing. And to be honest, the idea of sitting in a theater, even with good social distancing and a mask for two hours and change just to get what was really good popcorn. I'm sorry. I don't know if it's good for you, but it was tasty. Um, I'm not 100% certain I want to do that when I can go home and rent a movie at home or I have every movie service at home as well. And in fact, did pay premium to, to watch that Disney movie Mulan. You know? <laughs> so, you um, know, Okay, so I can get the experience in my own house with a pretty good sound system, but yeah, I miss going to the movies. Uh, have I eaten at restaurants? Uh, a couple of times, not much. Most of the times, if they had a patio is where I've gone and eaten outside, uh, where I felt a little bit better about it. So, yeah, I mean, my life has changed somewhat. Uh, do I live in fear? I try not to. In my workplace, yes, myself and my staff are masked. Uh, when we go to when I go to the grocery store, well, it's required, and I'm I'm not into making a fight about it. I put my mask on. I would, you know, hey, why not? Everybody else is wearing one. I'll wear one too. You know, a lot of the restaurants say no shoes, no shirt, no service. Now it's no shoes, no shirt, no mask, no service. Okay, I'm good with that. I didn't walk into grocery stores and restaurants barefooted before anyway, so I have no problem. I don't consider it something that is an infringement on my freedom. No shirt, no service was an infringement on my freedom before. No mask, no service is an inf infringement on my freedom now. You know, I'll draw the line on some other things. They start wanting me to put stuff in my body. I consider that infringement on my freedom. But putting something onto my body, like a mask, yeah, it's, it's such a non-issue for me. So here we are months into this pandemic and the news is still dominated. I feel bad for some of the things we're going to miss out on, if I can just extend a few minutes here. Um, in my office every year, we had a Santa Claus, and we would have, uh, you know, all kinds of goodies out for the kids and, you know, cookies and healthy goodies and unhealthy goodies. And we had presents, and Santa would be in my office giving out the kids presents and stuff, and they'd come and tell them what they want. And we picked a day before Christmas where Santa could come to my office. Um, that won't happen this year. It's unfortunate. You know, I know we're coming up on Halloween now, and uh, I know there's going to be a much different Halloween. Uh, Trick-or-treating's gone. Um, I know there is some social distancing trunk-or-treats at churches and things, and I, I'm going to try to get, make sure my grandchildren get to do some of that. But, uh, yeah, it's a different world, you know. I was flying a lot and traveling a lot and speaking a lot uh, around the time of uh, nine, the original 9-11-2001, and... Yeah, didn't travel for a little bit after that, but was back on the road pretty quickly. And yet, travel changed permanently. Initially, the, the reaction was overwhelming as far as the difficulty in flying from one place to another. It has since changed to where it's different than it was before 9-11, uh, but it's not as overly encompassing as it was immediately after the terror attacks. I have a feeling we're going to wind up in the same place. Uh, life is never going to be as it was before COVID. It's just not going to be the same. 
Now, will it seem like it's back to normal? Yes, but normal will be different. Uh, do I think we're going to run around wearing masks all the time? No, I think eventually we get away from a good portion of that, but they're not gone, and I don't think they're going to be gone for a while. You know, as Americans, we used to look at uh, people on TV in foreign nations and uh, especially the Far East and, and see people wearing masks and think, wow, what is that about? You know, if you saw a person wearing a mask uh, a year ago in a, in a Walmart, you think, man, that poor person's probably pretty ill or has an immune system or they're just paranoid. Now you go into a Walmart and you see somebody not wearing a mask. Like, oh, how come they're not wearing a mask? Everybody else is wearing one. You know, it changed a little bit. Uh, do I think we'll get away from it? Nope. I think masks are a permanent part of our future, not necessarily a must-wear under all circumstances. But I have a feeling people are going to be having masks for quite some time, and there'll be some mask usage some places forever. So I figured that my rant today was uh, about the whole COVID thing, um, not getting overly upset, but also not making an issue of things that don't need to be made an issue of. Uh, and soldier on, do everything to keep your defense systems themselves as high as possible. Can you get them to 100%? Nope, not even I can, nobody can, but let's give it the best try we can, see how good we can get it so we can all stay healthy. So uh, this has been Health Rants. You have been listening to Health Rants. My name is Dr. Bob Braille, and I've been your host. Subscribe to this podcast and join us for future rants on a large variety of subjects related to health and health care. Thank you for listening to Health Rants. Health Rants is sponsored by Braille Chiropractic. Find out more and listen to previous episodes on our website, www.braillechiropractic.com. That's B-R-A-I-L-E chiropractic.com. The opinions on this podcast are meant to encourage discussion on healthcare issues and are not meant as specific medical or healthcare advice. You should only seek health advice from your healthcare professionals. This has been Health Rant.